CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. And now, the list of things that you can buy at the Chicago Reader store at chicagoreader.com. Things to wear like Chicago Reader hats, t-shirts, bandanas, and face masks. Things for your daily life like the Chicago Reader camping mug, Chicago Reader tote bags, and a Chicago Reader reporter's notebook. Things for you to read like our Reader recipes, the Chicago Reader 420 Companion, our Chicago Reader Best of book series from journalists Maya Dukmasova, Mike Sula, Ben Jarofsky, and Lior Galil, the Chicago Reader coloring book, and the Chicago Reader stay home puzzle. Find the Chicago Reader store at chicagoreader.com and show your support for the nation's first free weekly news newspaper since 1971. Ben Drowski Show. As I speak, it's Friday, July 2nd, 2021. The headlines in my Chicago Sun-Times, my beloved bright one, delivered to the front door as it always is. Cash in carry. Oh my God. Sun-Times headline writers. Cash in carry. Alderman Austin and her chief of staff charged with bribery, a new federal indictment. Lord, 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 does the does the corruption ever end in the city of Chicago? And do the punny headlines at the Chicago Sun-Times ever end? I got to admit, I like this one. Cash dash in carry? <laughs> Very clever. Some clever headline writers. My beloved bright one, that's for certain. All right. I'll further ado, we're not going to hold back. I'm going to ask my distinguished guest to introduce herself because it's been a while she's been on the show and we've got a lot to discuss. So distinguished guest, introduce yourself. My name is Ramana Hussein. I'm an assistant metro editor at the Chicago Sun-Times. And she's a columnist for the Sun-Times. I always say that. Uh, and she is a regular on the Ben Jarofsky show. And everybody knows her as the host of the Ramana Rundown. And she just returned. She's got a healthy glow to her, ladies and gentlemen, because she just returned from a very restful, very peaceful vacation. Were you wrestling grizzly bears or something like that? I was going to say, I was gonna say what, it wasn't, if you talk to my husband, he'll agree. It wasn't very restful because we're always doing something every day. Um, we we're out West. Uh, we went to Yellowstone and the Grand Tetons. I think that's how it's pronounced. We went for some whitewater rafting. And when it comes to vacation, um, at least me and my sisters, my brother's a little more laid back as is my brother-in-law and my husband. Um, we like to stay out all day. We like to go out in the morning and come back late at night and stay up late and then wake up again the next morning. We had one rest day, but I think everybody was like pooped out. So we, you know, I'd ne I had never been out West. Um, one of the things I was kind of worried about is because I was reading a lot, a lot of articles about because of the pandemic, a lot of people didn't want to go overseas. They want to take a chance. So this, the national parks were like packed and they definitely were packed at Yellowstone. Um, I don't know how we didn't go super early in the morning because I heard there was like a long line at the entrance. But, you know, every time someone saw an animal, it's like everybody was lined up. No cars were moving. <laughs> it, it was, it was kind of crazy. But Wait, what um, kind of animals are there to see? Excuse well, my bison, ignorance. I've never been. Yeah, it's OK. I, I was like that, too, because I, I don't really go out west that much. Bison is a big thing in Montana. Um, we saw a moose, um, you know, seeing cows and horses, I guess, has become the norm when you drive across the United States. But the big one in Montana is definitely the bison. And so we, we saw we saw we saw moose, elk. You know, other kind of and there's we you know, bears are another one that could just come up on and turn up on you. So you see a lot of warnings about bears and, you know, they tell you things to do and. Mick was telling me that if you see a bear, you're supposed to start talking to it to calm it down and calm yourself down. I'm like, I don't know if I'd be talking, but you're not supposed to run away because then the bear will think you're a threat. So there's all, you know, we saw, I saw a sign that said like, you know, different things to do when a bear approaches. So 
thankfully, I mean, I kind of wished I saw a bear from far away, but thankfully we didn't see one up close or any bear. Well, I can tell you what, the top of my list, different things to do when a bear approaches, not be there in the first place. Now you talk about ever wanting to go to Yellowstone. I've lived all these years, my whole life, not going to Yellowstone, never thought twice about it. And then when I heard you were going with dragging Mick, by the way, which is a sitcom in itself, Mick uh, (laughs) Dumpke in Yellowstone. And then Mick knowing something about bears. That's the other thing. Uh, I read this article once in uh, USA Today. <laughs> like, how does Mick know anything about bears? Unbelievable. Uh, all right. We're not going to throw my dear friend Mick Dumke under the bus. Uh, we'll move on with today's uh, topics. So many topics to discuss. I was telling um, Romana before uh, the show. I guess let's start uh, the Shakari Richardson and Bill Cosby, two completely different stories about dealing with celebrities. And I'm obsessed with Shakari Richardson. Um, so let's start with her. Uh, I talked about her last week. Romano, you, uh, you weren't on the show, obviously, when uh, Jeanette Taylor was on. Uh, I am a big fan of track and field. Shakari Richardson is the world's fastest woman right now a great sprinter and a strikingly beautiful woman uh, with uh, just a lot of charisma. A lot, a lot, a lot, reminds me of Flo Joe, who was a great runner in the eighties or nineties. And um, so she's the one who won the hundred meter dash. Everybody remind you, and then ran into the stands to hug her grandmother. And I saw that every time I see it, I told Romana, she's making fun of me. I'm just a big baby. I start tearing up because she just went up her mother had died, her biological mom had died, and she ran into the stands to hug the woman who raised her. I'm tearing up just thinking about it now. At that moment of just her great triumph, she ran and hugged her grandma, uh, and a great runner, folks, brilliant runner. Anyway, man, last night the story broke. The cockamamie rules that govern Olympic runners prohibits the use of marijuana cannabis. Ramana, I'm just getting all just on a rant and a rail right here just thinking about it. Apparently, uh, to overcome the grief of her mother's death, she smoked a joint. Who knows why she smoked the joint? It's legal in about like half the states in the United States. Why do we even have to have like an excuse for having smoked a joint? And now they're not, they're giving her a month's ban, Ramana. She can't run. She probably will miss. Yeah, uh, the Olympics. The, I just think it's an outrage. Your thoughts? Yeah, I agree. I mean, it it doesn't make sense because in most parts of the world, I don't know, I shouldn't say most parts of the world because that's not true. But at least in the United States, some parts of Europe, um, you know, the rules are changing. What's it's it's been legalized um in in marijuana has been legalized in some parts of the world for a long time. Um, you know, I guess somebody could counter it by saying that, you know, alcohol is probably worse for your body. Um, and I'm not someone who really smokes marijuana, so I can say that. Um, Alcohol, and I don't drink either, but from what I understand and what I've read, alcohol is worse for your body and, you know, it causes more damage. So it doesn't make sense just because it's more socially acceptable to drink alcohol that, you know, they find traces of marijuana in our system and they're like, oh, suddenly you're disqualified. So what if somebody drank? What if somebody, it shows that I'm sure everybody, all the athletes have taken a drink in the last month or so. So, yeah, I, I definitely think it's um, ridiculous. And I, I understand the outrage from you and others. And I did see the video of her um, that you sent to me right before um, we went on air, homework for me. And I did see the video and it was very touching. Um, there's no way you could see that and not be touched by it. You know, her hugging her grandma. It just shows you how close she is to her family. And then, you know, she said that's why. I think she tweeted, I'm human. I'm just human, like after her test results came out. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, there's one thing if I'm not saying that, you know, I don't I, I'm not the rule maker here. You know, it's one thing if it was like heroin or something stronger, but it was just marijuana. Um, I just don't I don't get I, I think they need to revisit the rules. And I, I I guess if it's a rule, they're supposed to do that. Right. But I still think it's I, I think it's harshly unfair. I, I don't. I well, don't think it makes sense at all. I, uh, I did the deep dive for, for what it's worth, and uh, this is the issues. And get your response to this. So the reason why cannabis uh, is outlawed uh, for uh, Olympic runners or Olympic competitors. Uh, Just everybody. General. It's all athletes, right? Yeah, all athletes. Yeah. 
Uh, the reason why the Olympics uh, bans cannabis, uh, follow me on this one, uh, there's two main reasons. One, allegedly it gives a, a competitive advantage to the person who takes it. And really? two, I'm just retelling why they have the rule. I'm not okay, folks. I am literally just repeating the idiotic rules that are in the book. I am not condoning the rules, approving of the rules. Okay, yeah. So it allegedly gives them a competitive advantage. Um, and the second one is that it sends a bad message to uh, the people of the world if an athlete uh, is uh, smoking reefer or taking cannabis. So. First of all, what a ridiculous notion that smoking a joint is going to make you run faster. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. If anybody smoked a joint knows, it's not going to make you run faster. So that, it doesn't give you any competitive advantage. It's like, yeah, I was going to say, doesn't it make you more lazy? Doesn't it, Not lazy, but doesn't it make you more chill? Like, you're not going to start running really fast. You, you know the part of the sentence I like is how she pretends like she doesn't know. Like, Romana Hussein is not... Oh, I heard... I read a story once uh, in the uh, newspaper. <laughs> yeah, no, allegedly. I wouldn't know, you know, because me, you know, uh, I would never do anything like that. Um, <clears throat> but yes, and it gives you the munchies. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're eating Doritos. So it's like, what? It's just so absurd, and it's just a vestige. Having it, the anti-marijuana ban is just a vestige of that say no to drugs, insane war on drugs that were slowly emerging from Romana. And, you know, they're just slow to get it off the books. Eventually they probably will. Um, but uh, I just, I, this really gets to me that she's going to lose an opportunity she has spent her whole life working for to run on uh, at the center of the world stage, the greatest woman runner or sprinter, I should say, in the world today because of this vestige of our obsessive war on drugs. I I don't know, Romana, really, maybe I shouldn't be so upset, but I, it really irritates the hell out of me. No, I think, I think a lot of people are. I actually saw it trending on Twitter yesterday right before I went to sleep and I, I have admit I have never heard of her, but that's because I usually I pay attention to the Olympics, like when the Olympics actually occur. And then, you know, I, I do follow the track and field because that is one of my favorite sports. And I, I know I'm sure you watch gymnastics vividly like I do, too. I, I like the <laughs> I like for the summer, summer Olympics. I watch gymnastics and track and field. Those are my favorite sports. Um, I, summer, I, I summer tell games. you, not I'm, a big gymnastic fan. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say most men like expect. It don't like gymnastics. Well, at least most most straight men, I, I guess I should say. I, I shouldn't even yes. make that distinction because I'm sure there's a lot of straight men who like it too. Yes. And there's probably a lot of gay men who can't stand it. Uh, yeah. And uh, so, yeah, let's not. I'm generalizing. Uh, sorry. Yes, generalize. That's fine. By the way, um, I speaking of uh, attitudes toward marijuana, you're, you're for, you're, you made a good point early on when you were saying that it's not widely accepted throughout the world. And um, so the United States is just slowly emerging from uh, its war on drugs mentality toward uh, cannabis and it's legal in many states, including Illinois. There was an, the first episode. I can't believe I saw this. I don't know if we ever talked about this. There's a TV show, a sitcom called Dave. And it's a story of a white rapper. I'm not making this up. Whose, whose name is Lil Dicky. And uh, I like it more than I should. I've, I haven't seen the second year, Ramana, because it, it just came out. And uh, But I did. Anyway, episode one of the second year, Dave goes to Korea, South Korea, and to, to film a video with a K-pop star uh, to help bolster his international career. And he, he and his entourage get in trouble for smoking marijuana. And apparently, I did not notice it's very much against the law in Korea. Like they really crack down on. Yeah, you could uh, probably get like jailed for it or something. I don't know. Yeah. I, I'm assuming there are countries that are like that. Yeah. And uh, Japan, if you recall, I know you're a big Beatles fan. Paul McCartney got busted, I think, in Japan yeah. for marijuana. Yeah, and he was like flying in. Yeah. I was a little kid and I was like, I was disappointed. I was like, I thought I didn't know what marijuana was, but I knew I was like, whoa, Paul McCartney had all. But didn't he have a lot of marijuana or was I just. I was like a little uh, kid, so I thought whatever the amount was is a lot, but I tarnished my image of Paul McCartney. But I must have been like seven or eight, so like you know, I just heard drugs, and I was like, oh, oh no, Paul McCartney. I thought he was this clean cut guy, <laughs> but it's just kind of funny. 
I mean, I remember it vividly when it happened, I think. Um, I was going to also mention, do you think race played a factor at all? Um, Because there are, there have been white, there have been white, I know, like, um, there's been a couple other Olympic athletes who have, um, you know, been busted or like caught, you know, smoking marijuana or pictures of them. Like Michael Phelps, I think is one that comes to mind, but I don't think it interfered with his athleticism. I'm just saying like, I don't know. Well, it, okay. Time out. It uh, absolutely did not deter Michael Phelps' ability to be a great swimmer. There was that, that picture of him smoking a bong. I don't know if you remember yeah. that one. That yeah, was definitely it. was. But I guess yeah. it didn't, I did. I guess it wasn't close to race time for him. But I can't see that helping anybody's performance. Or and the thing is, like you know, they're saying it sends a bad message. But there's so many other things that Olympic athletes do that send a worse, you know, message. You know that they remember that one one athlete that ran with one leg. Didn't he? Didn't he get busted for killing his girlfriend? I'm just saying that you know, and that happened after he won the Olympics. But um, there are so many other things that people do that Olympic athletes have done while they competed. Um, and so for that, for her to be penalized for that, I just I think there's worse things that Olympic athletes or potential Olympic athletes do. Yeah. That show that they're oh, yeah. You're talking about Petrus from uh, South Africa, the guy who ran yeah. the 440. Yeah, I um, or the 400. I, I think that the difference between... Uh, Richardson, Shakari Richardson and Michael Phelps is that, uh, he was not tested. Yeah. Uh, like he was not smoking the marijuana right yeah. before tests. I got, but listen, man, I've gotten calls from kids. Oh my, I will never forget. I think I may have said this on the show. I don't know. It's so funny why they would think I would know, but, uh, a friend of mine called me up at desperation. Her son, uh, <laughs> her son had a, a, a test this is so stupid. Uh, he wanted a job and the job drug tested and she, the drug test was like the next day. And she had just discovered that her son had been smoking reefer the night before. And she was in a panic, uh, because she wanted her son to pass the drug test to get the job. And so utter desperation, Romana, she turned to me and asked me what I knew about, yeah, how to get marijuana out of your system i remember taking his phone call i was driving and i pulled over to i was like I'm in the middle of pennsylvania somewhere i'm like i have no idea i mean i haven't smoked a joint since 1981 i mean you're asking the wrong guy you know and uh I, and then i turned around to, like i looked it up on the internet and there's apparently all these advice about what you do and drink lemonade or something so um uh it's it's insane you know and i mean i remember i'm uh, I remember years ago, a friend of mine got a job at the Tribune as a writer. I think I told you this as a reporter, and they made him take a drug test. And that was stupid. That was, to me, like just sort of the epitome of how stupid the war on drugs. What do you care if your reporters are smoking reefer? I just, we were all caught up in the drug, the war on drugs, Romana. You know what I'm saying? And it's just not done this country well. All right, let's move on to Bill Cosby. And I know you got a lot to say about him. Bill Cosby uh, sprung from jail or prison, I should say, yesterday uh, when the uh, Supreme Wednesday. Court. Of, Wednesday, my bad, Wednesday. Yeah. The Supreme it's Court okay. of Pennsylvania uh, ruled that the prosecutor had broken his word uh, and used, uh, prosecuted Cosby after they said they wouldn't. Uh, so he was let go after about th- almost close to three years in prison. Uh, his Felicia Rashad, who was on the Bill Cosby show with him, has already celebrated as a great triumph of justice. Uh, <laughs> I'm wondering what she's smoking. Anyway, uh, your thoughts on all this, uh, Romana Hussein? Yeah, I, I mean, I think a lot of people were just shocked um, by the higher court overturning Bill Cosby's conviction because there are so many, so many women who have come forward to say that Bill Cosby had uh, sexually assaulted them. Um, And this was obviously one victim involving one victim. And um, it's not like there was just like maybe one or two victims that come forward. There's like dozens, dozens of women throughout the decades. So I know a lot of, um, I saw a lot of articles and a lot of discussion on Twitter on how it felt like, you know, the Me Too uh, movement was for naught. And it's like, they strive so hard. he served two years in prison. I mean, he's 83 years old and he's never going to be prosecuted again. So a lot of people feel like he really didn't get 
the punishment that they think he deserves. And um, yeah, Felicia Rashad, who played um, Claire Huxtable on the Cosby show, basically had this tweet that said, finally, a terrible wrong is being righted. A miscarriage of justice is corrected. And a lot of people had pounced on her. But for me, I, I was telling you right before the show started, my favorite response to her was from another TV mom, Aunt Viv, the first Aunt Viv on Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Um, the actress who played her basically said, Felicia, what are you thinking? I don't know you, but to say this was terribly wrong. Everyone, she wrote everyone in all caps, knew what he was doing back then. How could you not? Get your umbrella, sister. Here comes a shit shower. I'm outraged that he has been released. Yes, he's an old ass guilty man. And that was the tweet. And then she had another tweet after that. And then Felicia Rashad went back and tried to talk about how she's, you know, known um, rape victims. And, you know, she she's uh, I think she works at or has a position at Howard University or teaches there. And so Howard put out a statement as well. And so though that was the most, um, I guess, entertaining, I should say, or um, riveting responses back and forth that I was paying attention to. But a lot of celebrities have been weighing in on it. Um, a lot of women, especially a lot of female celebrities and females in general, activists, people part of the Me Too movement. Yeah, well, I um, was it uh, Janet uh, Hubert who who tweeted that out? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, sorry. Yeah, that's her. Yeah, no, that's cool. Uh, that there's a whole backstory to her. She was uh, she got a raw deal on that. Show. All right, I, I'm going to hold back on my. Yeah, yeah. I know her and Will, I, I, knew, I remember her and Will Smith were feuding, and then you know when they did the reboot, they had a sort of like a discussion. I think I don't know. Yeah. They talked. They talked it out. Yeah, she made him apologize. I mean, he apologized. I give him credit. I'm a well. We we've had this comment. I love Will Smith, and I get a lot of grief from it. But she got wrong in that show. Cheesy, and what's that? I said he's a little cheesy for me, but I like him. But. Only in small well, he's doses. A great act. I think he's a good actor. Anyway, um, but uh, no, go back to Bill Cosby. You know, it was, um, you're, you're absolutely correct. It was like the first Me Too, but I'm going to give a shout out. There's a comic, comedian, uh, Hannibal Burgess, who's from yeah, Chicago, who actually. Yeah, who mentioned it and, like years ago, two or three years ago. In a stand up. And just as like, and that opened up the door. Like, he, well, I forget exactly what he said, but it was along the lines of, you know, the man, Bill Cosby committed rape. He's a rapist. And like all of a sudden people's eyes open, you know, and it's like they were free. They saw it for what it was. And then they felt liberated. Like now they could call it out for what it was. So let's give him a shout out for doing it. It was just stand up comedian making a comment at a show. And, um, I mean, I I understand the uh, the reasons that the court had for letting him go. It's a very important constitutional issue at stake. Um, but I'm the last thing that I would do is go, oh, happy day, Bill Cosby's out of out of, you know out of prison. You know what I mean? He, how many women did he rape? I I think there's several. Do I mean, there's several dozen accusers. I don't, I forgot which publication it was, but it had pictures of all of them, and it seemed like there was more than 40, I, I want to say 50, but there was just a lot of women. And these accusations went back to like, even when he was on the Cosby show and probably before that. And, you know, Bill Cosby was someone that we all watched. I mean, I knew him from the Fat Albert show and then, uh, you know, the Cosby show. But yeah, everybody knows who Bill Cosby is. And I guess he was the one, he was one of those, um, you know, black comedians that, white audiences embraced as well and so he was seen as kind of like this harmless like safe figure and then then he became more controversial when he would say things about you know people in the black community and you know and then you know then he'd be criticized by the black community and then it turns out that he's you know he was accused of all these rapes and he you know he fell down pretty hard but you know he still has his defenders which is expected no, he, yeah he would so yeah he would do that disappointed by his release and his conviction being overturned. So, uh, which, where does he, uh, rank in the list of celebrities that you are too embarrassed to see ever liked along with Michael Jackson and Woody you know, Allen? I, I have to admit, I never was a huge Bill Cosby fan. I liked him, you know, but I wasn't like, Whoa, I love Bill Cosby. I was never like that. I mean, I, you know, I probably thought he was too square by the time I was a teenager. <laughs> I have to admit, well, like he wasn't edgy enough for me. Uh, as a kid of the generation before you, I got about 15, 16 years on Romana. 
I loved Bill Cosby in the 60s, uh, but I was a square, so I admit it. Uh, no, he was I from mean, Philadelphia. I, I, I'm a child of immigrant parents, so I was square, but I didn't think he was cool. You know what I mean? And then by the time I was like a young adult, he started doing these jello pudding pop commercials. Yeah. So then I thought he was just like, he was someone that just did stuff for, with little kids. So I thought it was too cool for him. But, you know, I, I did watch. I did watch a Cosby show and I, I didn't watch it religiously, but I did watch it. And I did, um, I remember fat Albert, me and my older sister would watch it all the time. And we knew, we heard that, um, he, he'd always, he did all the voices for all the characters on fat Albert. So we were kind of amazed by that. Um, my husband, Mick Dumkey, your friend is just showing me an album that he has by Bill Cosby. <laughs> um, I would never have a Bill Cosby album. Here it is. I don't think I would ever Oh my God! Cosby. Is that is that to Russell, my brother? I wrestled with. To Russell, I my slept with. Who I slept with. Yeah. Oh my goodness! I got to give Mick Dumkey. Man, he always surprises me. That Mick Dumkey. Uh, that okay. I'm not, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. I love that record, and I just gonna say it. I'm a, I'm not gonna you know hide and pretend who I'm not. But see, Bill Cosby back in the '60s, I'm not saying he was cutting edge. But either right before or right after Martin Luther King was assassinated, he did a special. He hosted a special on Channel 2 where he talked about black history. And for uh, a white kid in Evanston, it blew my mind that, like, to have that celebrity lend his name to that documentary. It talked about racism. It talked about black historical things. It's like, what's the whitest thing you know, he said. And he goes, it's a, a, a cube of sugar. And he takes a cube of sugar and he drops it into a dark cup of coffee and he stirs it. He goes, did you know a black man, a black scientist who's responsible for refining sugar? And little 12-year-old me in Evanston's like, whoa, I did not know that, you know? So I, I got a different I mean, attitude he, he, about Bill Cosby. Yeah. No, 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 he was important. And I'm not going to say that he wasn't important. It's just sad that he's a figure that everybody's loved and revered. And it just shows you that, you know, human beings are imperfect. And some of them that, you know, that we love can be monsters at the end of the day, because the stuff that he's accused of is pretty horrific. And, you know, you know, we're, you know, we've seen a change in attitude about what men can get away with in the last few years. I mean, they've been getting away with a lot. They still do get away with a lot in terms of sexual violence. But, you know, the Me Too movement or, you know, other movements, even before that, have called men out. And I think it's become more mainstream now. And so now people are stepping up and saying this is wrong. I mean, I like we said, there's got to people got to be people who knew that he was doing this it's kind of like Woody Allen like they knew he was doing it I mean he projected it in his movies but nobody said anything they just sat there and laughed at him and said oh this guy's the genius and you know whatever he does to women and you know he dates little girls that's totally fine it's like you overlook all this stuff so I think people overlook that stuff same with Harvey Weinstein so I, I think this case is interesting I I I think there's going to be more discussions about it. I just wonder if Bill Cosby is going to be doing an interview anytime soon about this. I, you know, it's, it, I don't know. I read the article about his first day back and uh, what his spokesperson was saying. He'd spent the morning on the phone calling up concert promoters across the country and making jokes. Oh. I'm like, Oh my God, is he trying, is he thinking of going back on tour? <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I just, wow. I, I don't know, Bill Cosby. Why don't you just lay low for a while? Uh, it's, Maybe yeah. too soon. Uh, yeah. But, he should by just the way, stay is, at there, home. is there any truth to the rumor that last night you put on Billie Jean and were dancing to it? No. <laughs> no. Just kidding. No. Big I was Michael totally Jackson fan back in the day. Oh, uh, I, I love were... that video. That's one of my favorite songs. Remember the video, the lighting up to the sidewalks? Yeah, I, I totally remember that video. Do you still like Michael Jackson? Listen to Michael Jackson? Uh, you know what? So I, I can tell you about my uh, love for Michael Jackson. I was in junior high when he hit it really, really big. I mean, there's no way you could avoid Michael J Jackson in 1983, 84. Um, this kid in my class had two beaded jackets. I was so jealous of him. He also <laughs> had a Michael Jackson glove. I should tell you that around that time, like, you know, the two biggest holidays for Muslims are Eid. We have two different Eids. And we go to communal prayer and we get really dressed up. And so one year, this one guy dressed up like Michael Jackson. I kid you not. He was like dressed up like Michael Jackson. And our mom 
my mom still calls that guy Michael Jackson. We don't know what happened to that family, but she's like, yeah, I remember Michael Jackson. So it was such a big deal. But I loved Michael Jackson for like two weeks, like really, really a lot. And then I kind of thought I was too cool for him. And my friends really liked him. So I'm like, okay, you guys can like Michael Jackson. And I liked all the new wave bands, but I still liked him. I mean, Thriller was a pretty good album. I probably don't like him as much as a lot of people do. Um, one of my colleagues at work refused to watch the documentary on his accuser because I was telling her about it. I sat right, ne right next to her. She's a fellow editor. She loves Michael Jackson. And I was like, well, you got to watch this documentary. It's pretty, it's pretty damning. And she's like, I'm not going to watch this documentary. And I was like, you have to. She's like, and she's just like, I just can't. So I understand Wait, people. She, why like does she, Michael why did she not want to watch the documentary? She just doesn't want to hear it like about him. A lot of people just don't want to hear you know, because they want to keep him like, you know, as this perfect guy that never, you know, did anything. I mean, there was definitely something wrong with him. I mean, he grew up in this abusive family. I don't know. You know, I listen, I watched the documentary. I think it's pretty damning. I don't know. I guess, you know, he's not alive to defend himself. But when you watch it and just him kind of, I don't know, my brother's like, you know, I think he was so damaged or he something happened in his life where he missed out on his childhood. My brother's like, maybe he really did like hanging out with kids, but didn't do anything with them. But I, I don't know. I just think as, I just think as an adult, if you're not, if you're hanging out with a little kid who's not related to you, it's a, for a really, and have sleepovers with them. It's a little, it's a little strange, I have to say, but my brother's like, I think he was so, I think his childhood and his life was so different that he was trying to reclaim his childhood. That's what my brother's argument. Wait, is this the same brother who made the toast at your wedding? Yes. I only have one brother. I have, I have two sisters and one brother. So I, I just want to say one thing about this brother who, by the way, is hilarious. His toast at the wedding, ripping journalists left and right, but he defends Michael Jackson. I'm just saying that's an interesting what his standards. He's tougher on journalists than he is on Michael Jackson. Well, he was just, he was just saying that is, that's his theory. He doesn't know if he's guilty or innocent, but he's like, could it be possible that he was just so weird that he just had a fun time with kids who were related to him? I mean, I hang out with my nephews and nieces and, you know, that's one thing if I have sleepovers with them, but if I just start hanging out with somebody else's kid for like months, that would, I, I think I would, I think I would, my family would have a talking with me. I can say that. Well, I could tell you this. I struggle with uh, my, the fact that I was a huge fan of Michael Jackson, and there's no, I can't cover it up. I was. You can still uh, like and, him. Well, I don't even. I can't. I, it's like Woody Allen. I can't go. I can't go there anymore. But I draw the line here. It's an interesting distinction I make. I think I may have mentioned this to you once before. I will. Um, I still listen to uh, Jackson Five. That's the group he had before he was Michael Jackson with all his brothers, for all you youngsters out there. And so my attitude is, well, he was just one of five. So it's really not like Michael, you know what I mean? It dilutes, it dilutes the, um, <laughs> yeah, it the dilutes horror of the image you have of him. Uh, and there's a song, Never Never Can Say Goodbye, which I just love so much that even though Michael, I think it technically is a Jackson 5 song, but it's all Michael. I mean, you know what I'm saying? And so. But I, I, I just go, well, I'll give him that one song. That one song. Sort of like Woody Allen, Small Time Crooks. I'll give him that movie, but that's it. All right, let's go to the uh, local news. Mayor Lori Lightfoot, while you were uh, in uh, uh, on vacation, Romana, um, kind of took it to a, a, new, uh, a new plane, uh, you might say. Uh, and we've talked about this a lot on the show. I wrote a column about it. Uh, so it was at a meeting last week, and uh, the uh, the aldermen, uh, Jeanette Taylor and Raymond Lopez, did a defer and publish on a, ma a matter having to do uh, with the Corporation Council that uh, Lori Leckert wanted the uh, council to approve. She got so upset at them doing the defer and publish, even though she had just done a defer and publish herself on... DuSable Drive, just saying, Mayor Lightfoot, uh, that she immediately recessed the meeting, pointed at Jeanette Taylor as just to say, meet me in the back, walked down from the podium, walked across the council floor, and got into Jeanette Taylor's face. And uh, I, for one, thought she crossed the line. She was acting like a bully. It was abusive behavior. And in my humble opinion, we had Jeanette Taylor on the show, and she gave her version of things. Uh, in my humble opinion, Lori Lightfoot owes Jeanette Taylor an apology for how she acted. Uh, your thoughts on all this, Romana? 
Yeah, I actually did see the tweets about this um, when I was on vacation and certainly parts of the national parks, your internet kind of, you have no access to the internet or Wi-Fi, which is a good thing, I guess. But um, whenever I did have it, I'd kind of go on Twitter just to see what was up. So I did see a lot of people tweeting about that and the back and forth or not the back and forth, but the Lori Lightfoot kind of pointing her finger in Jeanette Taylor's face, if I remember correctly. Um and so, yeah, I did read about it a little and then I read your column and I, I saw I saw the snippet from your show and she's and Jean, um, the, Jeanette Taylor was saying that um, Lori Lightfoot basically came up to her and, just, you know, started you know yelling at her and Jeanette Taylor didn't take it. She kind of yelled back at her, didn't she? Or at least tell her she stood her ground and said, hey, you know, ever since this COVID thing, you kind of started popping attitude. It's and, uh, you know, I'm not going to take it. I'm not. She said, I'm your colleague, so talk to me respectfully. So I, I, I kind of have to applaud her for saying that because that is true. She is a colleague of hers and there should be some sort of level of respect. And it's like any other job, I guess, um, you know, she's in the public eye. So any sort of lecturing or yelling that she's doing, like during the city council meeting, it's going to be captured by cameras. And most of us um, don't have cameras following us around, but none of us want to be you know, yelled at by our bosses or our colleagues at work in front of everybody. And so, yeah, I think there's a certain level of professionalism. And I know that um, politicians yell and scream and swear at each other behind closed doors. And I don't know, is that any better? But this is like for everybody to see out in the open. So I do I do see your point when you say that she def definitely deserves an apology. But Lori Lightfoot, kind of has like you know she you know everybody was saying that oh she's going to be refreshing and different from Rahm Emanuel but she's kind of a different she's like another version of Rahm Emanuel in a in, a, in another way so she's definitely not someone that's going to like she's definitely someone that's going to say what she needs to say and she says it and a lot of people say that you know she's pretty thin-skinned and can't handle any criticism or anybody voting against her so it, it was definitely interesting to see. And I saw like people had like different, like, you know, our, our photographer got really good pictures of the interactions. And so um, I did see those pictures and I, I like, I do get it. And I do understand when you say that she, you know, Jeanette Taylor should get an apology. Has she got, has she been apologized no. to since? By the way, let's give a yeah, shout out to our like photographer. Yeah. Let's give a shout yeah, out to I, our photographer. Is Ashley I think it's Ashley Resin Garcia, yeah, yes. who I, I'm good friends with. She's a really great photographer. All her pictures are excellent. Um, you know, big I'm time biased. shout I'm out. Her, yeah. But she she's she's an excellent photographer, and she got and I saw her tweets actually while I was um, out of town, and I was like, whoa, these pictures are pretty powerful. And I think the pictures really captured like you know the tension or Lori Lightfoot kind of getting in Jeanette Taylor's face. So yeah, I think. I missed I missed a big one, but I did see I did see the exchange on Twitter and people like talking about it for sure. So um, we'll see. I'm not holding my breath. I don't think Lori Lightfoot's going to apologize. No, uh, I don't think she will apologize either. I think she should apologize. Uh, but you you said something. I wrote it down, and I'd like to follow up on it. That uh, other mayors behave like this behind closed doors and you're absolutely correct they were abusive they were mean tempered they were nasty they belittle people they dehumanize people they marginalize people they acted like uh like the little tiny despot emperors they are and and this is like a favorite topic of ours romana i think attitudes me too encompasses more uh, than sexual harassment i think it also encompasses abusive behavior by pe uh people who control your lives like your boss and we talk about this a lot, you and I, on the show about abusive editors who gets weirded out on deadline and then just, you know, use the power they have over the people below them. Like you kick the dog. And there was a story in the New York Times about a Broadway producer. I think his name is Rudden, uh, who has actually been forced to take time, a time out, if you will, because of his abusive behavior. And I feel like Chicago has got this twisted notion that being a mayor means you're a total jerk uh, and that you're just you, you're mean and you're nasty and you uh, pick on people. And that's what you need for a tough mayor. And I just think it's all bully behavior because most of these mayors are just kicking people below them on the totem pole and then they suck up to everybody else. So it's not like they're tough or anything. You know what I'm saying? Ron was that way. Ron would be like picking on people that he could pick on and then like some totally rich guy. He was like, Oh, you're so smart. You're so wonderful. I love you. 
And uh, so it's just classic <laughs> bully behavior. And so I don't tolerate yeah, it. I, I don't think it should be tolerated behind the closed doors. Go ahead. I agree. I agree. And that's what I was saying. I, I think the um, thing is in terms of leadership, it's not just politicians. It's like leadership. Like people saw that as a positive trait. Like if somebody yelled and was like firm and stood their stood their ground, and those are totally different things. But if they like start yelling at people, it I don't know. I feel like for years it was like you know people would laugh it off, or they would think that if somebody yelled that they really knew how to take charge. If they belittled people, they really knew how to take charge. So I think it's the the culture of leadership and how we view leadership throughout the years. I mean, there's always been like. Like at least this is the stereotype of the female boss is like where she was trying to emulate the men above her. Like this is a generational thing. And we would hear about women bosses who were like, you know, the stereotype was that they were worse than male bosses because they try to act like the men and start yelling and screaming. And, and so I think it was just this like leadership skills of men that everybody thinks is the way that everybody should behave. And I'm not saying Lori Lightfoot is any better or worse, but and there, there are some leaders who are great, but I think for years, I think it's changing now, like for have to have leaders who are like crazy or neurotic and just yelling at people and, you know, just going into out, outbursts, it was tolerated and, and in many ways applauded, I think. Yeah, absolutely applauded, especially in the city of Chicago. They think, well, that's what it takes to be a good leader. Then, but nobody wants to be treated like that themselves. Uh, exactly. So, all right. So then, uh. Uh, Lori Lightfoot went on Channel 11, the Phil Ponce show, whatever they call it. He's the guy. I always just call the person who does the show, that whatever. Anyway, whatever it's called. And she went on Phil Ponce's show and she said uh, that 99% of the criticism uh, directed at her temperament uh, has to do with the fact that she's a black woman. Uh, do you agree with her on that? Um, you know, I'm not saying that, that she doesn't. She doesn't get, you know, there's definitely people on the right, you know, when, when she had said, when Mayor Lori Lightfoot said that she was only going to have people of color reporters um, interview her for a two-year anniversary. I thought some of the right-wing response was definitely targeting her and saying, "Oh, she's terrible, Lori." I mean, that's like that's the that's the one issue that makes you decide that she's a terrible mayor. I mean, some of those takes were like terrible, and I thought that was definitely focusing on the fact that she was a woman and a person of color, especially. But no, I don't think all the criticism against her is because she's a person of color. There is some criticism. I'm not going to say that all criticism is totally fair. There has been some criticism that is probably unwarranted, but no, not a lot of criticism, not all the criticism against her. Um, you know, Jeanette Taylor is also another African-American woman. So, you know, there can be an argument, I guess, within like, you know, certain communities, whether she gets more or less than a white male. I understand that she probably de definitely does. But I don't think all the criticism is because she's a female or because she's African-American. Well, I, uh, I'm going to have to concede. I actually put this in print for my next week's column. I have to concede that uh, Lori Lightfoot has a point. And I'll just say why I think this, Romana. Um, as I said, it was considered a strength. Yeah, I agree. Uh, by the people who run this city, the editorial writers, the voters, that Ron was a total dickhead and that uh, Mayor Daley was a bully. And that, oh, yeah, that's what we need, a tough mayor. That's how you do it, Ben. You know, that's that kind of Chicago attitude. Well, I'm going to vote for a real asshole. And, uh, <laughs> and so now she comes along and she's cut from the same cloth and uh, the same editorial boards, Tribune, that was always loving on Daily and Rom are like, this is outrageous. Uh, the mayor is very temperamental. So I agree with her. Like, wait, if it was such a great virtue for Rahm and Daly to be dickheads, why can't a woman be like that? And, I'm, you know, she got a point there, you know? Yeah, and actually, she does. She does have a point. I do. I do. Th that's what I'm saying. Like, when Mayor Daly would yell at people, and he, I have seen him, I did see him yell at people, was my first job at City News. I was covering City Hall. I heard him lash out at reporters. I heard him lash out at other individuals. And people would kind of giggle, like people on the staff. And a lot of times it was kind of kind of blown off, kind of, and say, like, you know, that's just the way he is. He's like a, you know, Southwest Sider or, you know, Southside Irish, you know. And so, yeah, I, I do think that's what I said. I do think some of it is definitely, you know, picking at her or like she's like the same behavior that she's expressing as other like white males have done is kind of taken out of, you know, context. But I, I don't think the criticism, there's definitely, like, you criticized her in that you think that she should apologize. 
I think that's like, you know, that's fair. So I'm saying you're, you're being fair. There's definitely some people who are calling her out who are fair. Well, I, you. I, I, first of all, let's just take a book. Since the guy usually gets thrown under the bus, let's bring him back. Uh, Mick Dumkey, uh, my dear friend and Ramana's dear husband, was literally threatened by Mayor Daly. This is before uh, you and Mick were together, but Mayor Daly threatened to shoot McDumkey and uh, literally took uh, folks. He did this. Okay. And, uh, and I thought it was outrageous. I remember when Mick told me, he called me up uh, and told me about it. And then of course it became big news, national news, you know, mayor threatens reporter. And uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. I felt as though that was brushed under the carpet a little bit, you know, like, Oh, you know, let's just our mayor. He's got a temper. I'm like, no, he threatened my friend. <laughs> but it became, yeah. a, but you have to admit in that instance, it became an, it became a story. It became a national story. People talked about it. I mean, people still know Mick as that guy. So at least people called him out on that incident. Yeah. I mean, it became a story. I mean, the guy, well, it should be a story threatening to kill a guy. I mean, you know, <laughs> but I'm saying, I'm saying that I saw him do other things. I can tell you about one incident. Um, he once yelled at a reporter when I was there. There were Frango Mints. Remember Frango Mints? When Frango Mints, like they were going out of business, uh, we we're all covering. Um, he had a couple of workers on a podium and there was a reporter who had big teeth. He was a television reporter. He's still a television reporter, so I'm not going to say his name. I don't want to embarrass him. But he was younger. He was starting out. I was young. I was starting out. We're sitting there. There's all the reporters, the press corps there. And then he started yelling at the um, reporter, the TV reporter, and he accused him of smiling. And this guy just had big teeth and his mouth was probably halfway open. And he's like, stop smiling. And he's like, I'm not smiling. And it went on forever. He was just berating him forever. And it, it, it got really uncomfortable. And uh, the then press secretary, Jackie Hurd, apologized to this reporter afterwards. It I mean, now when I look back, it was kind of funny, but it was it was pretty mean spirited when it happened. So I'm just saying that he did lash out at reporters often. Yeah. Uh, that's a, I, I forgot that anecdote, but, uh, yeah, stop smiling. Like, why, what do you care if the, what, let's say the guy is, that's like Trump, like, you know what I no, mean? No, no, stop no. He he's like, he's that, he's like, are you happy? These people are losing their jobs. You think it's funny. And then he started accusing the reporter of laughing because these people had lost their jobs. And he goes, stop laughing, stop laughing at these people. And he's like, I'm not laughing. The, 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 the reporter looked very upset. I just remember that. I remember the look on his face. Uh, well, I'm, um, I just wrote that down. I'm going to go track that down and add it to the column. I'm not going to write a column about this. But uh, yeah, that just illustrates the point uh, that Mayor Daly was abusive and a bully. And he was, I don't recall it ever being uh, a topic of conversation as it is with Lori Lightfoot. So I do, uh, Mayor Lightfoot, I'm telling you this, I think you have a legitimate point, but that does not condone abusive behavior. Just because Mayor Daley was a bully and just because Mayor Rahm was a petty tyrant does not mean you should do it and then say, oh, you got to tolerate it with me because you tolerated it with them. And the reality is we shouldn't have tolerated it with them. Do you agree with that, Ramana? Yeah, no, I agree with you. That just came out of nowhere. I agree with you. I, I, I usually agree with you 80% of the time. <laughs> That's actually not completely true. And I will now give an example of something that we don't agree on. Uh, in the Heights. No, we agree on In the Heights. I finally saw it. We're going to close with the Ram Romano's recommendation. So I, actually, we, we agree on this, uh, In the Heights. I really enjoyed it immensely. I finally got around to seeing it. Uh, is that your recommendation, Romano? I, I guess so, because I because I was out of town, I wasn't really watching, or I was watching junk TV, um, or like, you know, I was watching stuff with my nephews and nieces, like horror movies from like 20 years ago. So yeah, I did, I did, when I was on the show, I did tell you, um, we talked about the colorism and the criticism of the colorism and Rita Moreno and um, the backlash against her. But I still did enjoy the movie. I thought it was fun. Um, do I think it was my favorite movie of all time? No, but it was definitely fun. And I think um, Lin-Manuel Miranda, am I saying his name right? Um, is very creative. And, uh, you know, I, I, I am someone who does not like musicals. Like Hamilton, I know everybody was talking about the Book of Mormon. I thought Hamilton, I liked Book of Mormon, but I thought Hamilton kicked its ass. And I don't think I've ever seen a musical more creative than Hamilton. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. 
And I thought in the Heights was um, interesting. And it's like, you know, one of the good things, I mean, yeah, I understand. I totally agree with the criticism about the colorism, but it does, you know, it takes, it kind of takes its lens on a certain community that, you know, is not often discussed and the songs and the, the routines. I mean, like I said, I'm not a huge musical fan, but it was entertaining. I think, I think, and he's funny and it's lighthearted, but still has some serious issues. So, um, that are discussed about the immigrant communities in Washington Heights. So I, I enjoyed it. Well, I, uh, enjoyed it immensely as well. And, uh, I said, actually, I don't know if I told you this. I saw it in a movie theater. My wife and I went to a movie oh, wow. Which theater. One? Which theater? Uh, we call it the smart people theater. I don't know what its real name is. Uh, I've called it the smart people theaters for so long cause it shows independent movies that are like only quote unquote smart people like, um, and it's on the corner of Clark and Diversity in Chicago. Century. I think it's called the Century Theater. Anyway, oh, okay. we went there and there was very few people in the theater. I wore my mask the whole time because I'm not playing, Romana. I believe we are not done with this pandemic. And I'm a, even though I've been I'm immunized, I'm wearing my mask all the time. I don't know about what your thoughts are on that. Uh, no, so I, I, agree. I mean, I think, you know, it's, it's, I, I, I'm trying to keep, I mean, when I was outdoors, I didn't have my mask on, but you know, when I go to the grocery store or I'm indoors, I understand wanting to keep the mask on. Yeah. Uh, so I enjoyed it immensely. And I'm going to, uh, my recommendation, actually, I, I did see Dave, the first episode. Did you watch the first season of Dave? Did we talk about this? I no. can't remember. I never heard did of you it. watch the first, you, you never heard of it. It's kind of out there. That's all I'm going to say. It's kind of out there. It's a, a uh, a rapper, a white rapper, his na- nickname is Lil Dicky, for all the reasons that you would think his nickname would be Lil Dicky, uh, and uh, it's it's just out there. Let's just put it that way. Anyway, so the first, uh, I, I'm going to send you this book as a present for being such a great guest on my show all the time. Every now and then, I send uh, Romana book, uh, Homeland Elegies uh, by Ayad Akhtar. That'll be your homework assignment. That's the only way I can guarantee that she'll do her homework assignment if I send it to her. But that um, I'm reading, that I'm reading, You're like Meg that, giving that, me books to read because yes. I think I'm watching too much uh, Netflix. Uh, but I, I um, and I know you're very familiar with uh, his work because he's a playwright as well. But I found it very moving, kind of upsetting on many levels because he's got some issues with women. But uh, anyway, I will send you that book and we'll have a deeper dive on that uh, after you get an opportunity to read it. Okay, thank you. I'll probably criticize it, but yes, you will, and I'm looking forward to it because I'll learn something from it. Uh, all right, Ramon, it's so great to have you back, and I'm glad you enjoyed your vacation. And um, stay safe and sound. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. Okay. Thanks, guys. Take care. That's the great Ramon Hussein. I'm Ben Jarofsky. Take care, everybody. Mm-hmm.